Bubbles? Did someone say bubbles? Bubbles? Did someone say champagne? Yeah! It's Tasting Notes, the show. Gonna let that wine and music flow on Tasting Notes. Tasting Notes, the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Tasting Notes, the The show. I'm Adam J. Eros, and next to me, as always, Eric Brem, our wine man. How are you, Eric, today? I'm doing great. How you doing, Adam? I am fantastic. We have a very, very unique and interesting topic today, uh, and I think we always find we get ourselves into this massive subject, and then we've got to kind of narrow it down a little bit because we really, you know, as much as everyone would love an eight-hour podcast I would love it. Yeah. Oh, me too. Me too. It's, um, and why, maybe we should just do it. No, uh, I think we want to be a little bit concise and have a lot of information about a specific kind of, you know, part of wine. And we're taking on kind of bubbles and champagne today. And we talked a lot about what we were going to really focus on. And I would love for you to explain it because if I try to explain it, I'm going to get it wrong. So, so. Well, here's what we did with this whole thing started with Adam and I kind of going back and forth about what champagne is there and asking for my favorite champagne. And we, and I just kind of, well, you know, there's so many, but champagne is truly has to be from the region of champagne in France. There's all these other beautiful sparkling wines from France too. And that's kind of how this got started. So today we're doing a bubbles and champagne episode. So I'm doing three different wines that are all from the méthode traditionnelle, so the traditional method, the secondary fermentation in the bottle, and all are from France. And all of them are actually Chard and Pinot Noir, and one of them has a little touch of Chenin Blanc, but I'll talk about that later. But it's really cool how those two grapes really make most of these wines. But we'll get more of that soon. This is a sparkling wine episode from France. This is excellent. This is excellent. And so, and we're focusing mainly on the traditional method. Of traditional method. Champagne. And, yep. you know, we can, we can list these out, but it's rather complex. Um, and when, diff- when things get a little bit difficult to explain, what do we do? We, we put it put in a it song. In the- <laughs> <laughs> we put it in music. We put and this song. time we're putting it in a sexy song. So uh, here's traditionally some traditionally sexy. Yeah, that's it. Is traditionally <laughs> sexy, isn't it? So here's some education for everyone. Sipping the champagne, everybody's feeling sexy With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles Gonna count to ten, traditional method is about to begin With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles Step one, it starts with the grape Take it from the vine and put it in the crepe It seems so easy, you may start laughing Get it to the winery and watch the magic happen Step two it's time for some pressing. Extract the juice that this grapes have been suppressing. You can press them twice, and it'll be a good day. The second time the tail. And the first a cuvee. Step three. It's the first fermentation. Just try and hold back the utter captivation. As the juice ferments, the yeast goes to work. The enterprise begins. Just call me Captain Kirk. Step four. It's time to blend. 
where the true art begins. Blanc de Blanc, Blanc de Blanc, Blanc Noir, oh yeah, yeah. Step five, it's the second fermentation. For many wine lovers, this is Champagne's foundation. In the bottle it goes with the liquor de Tiraz. Let us sit for eight weeks. Et voilà, bon voyage. Step six. It's time for Lee's Agent. Gotta wait up to three years for the party to be raging. This process helps enhance the flavor. Are you thirsty yet? It's almost time to save. Step seven. Let's get to Ritalin. Slowly change the angle of the bottle. Stop your fiddle. This is how we get the yeast down to the bottleneck. Rotating every time. Now guess what's on deck. Step eight. Discords and minds. Time to pop the bottle top. Ooh. Get the cap. To start to freeze Start to freeze Give it a quick pop Extract the yeast Step nine Dosage After the pop the champagne Needs a little massage A tasty sugary liquid Can make the mix complete Pick the amount Try to sweet. Step 10. Now we're at the end. It's time to pop the cork and party with your friends. On New Year's Day. Or for your friends, baby. It doesn't matter when you pop it. It's, it's time, time to celebrate. When you're sipping the champagne, everybody's feeling sexy. With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles. Can't complain. Can't complain. When you're sipping the champagne, everybody's feeling sexy. With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles. Well, if that doesn't get you in the mood to have some bubbles, nothing will. I, nothing will. Yeah, that's <laughs> it. Uh, but that is a lot to quote unquote digest. There you go. So why don't we just review a little bit? Because this process, yeah. this traditional method is kind of our focus today because these mm-hmm. three three bubbles that we have are uniquely doing that, right? right yeah. and, and just a quick question before we get into that. Um, is the majority of bubbles and champagne done this way? Is this like the the, the to be a way? champagne? It has to be done this way. To be it's a champagne, law. absolutely. Okay. But and then these other areas for their cremants, it has to be done this way too. So now the classification cremant de Bourgogne is what the first wine is called. That has a certain set of rules to follow as well. Okay, D- does Just a strict. Yeah. do the other um, methods? Do they vary? greatly with this one or from the traditional method? Well, usually it's like a tank method or a Charmat method, they call it too. So everything's okay. made and pressurized like soda pop, like in a in a big tank. Okay. This this makes the bubbles a lot more finer. Just makes it, uh, it's a little like more money. It costs a little more to do it because all the fermentation is done in the bottle uh, and the time to do it too, 15 months minimum, uh, minimum. Three years minimum. Remember, three years to rage. That's right. Song. That's, yeah. <laughs> that's a long time to wait that's to for, rage. That's for a vintage champagne. You got to wait three a years minimum, to rage. minimum three years. Yeah. So it's that's why champagne can end up costing so much. But this is the traditional method, and so these other areas use a traditional method as well. But champagne's from champagne. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> I, 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 I'm that actually clears up a lot of things. So we start with the grapes. The grapes. That's the obvious. Yeah. Thing, well, we're right? going to keep it simple today. I think there's around seven grapes, but the three the three major ones in the Champagne region and these other regions that they let you use are uh, Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, and Pinot Meunier. Now, two of those three grapes are red grapes, so it's really cool to see that most of the Champagne that you drink 
are made from red grapes or at least half or some, you know. Wow, they, they're yeah. just not using the skins, so it's just the white juice. Oh. Yeah. Well, that's pretty darn interesting. Yeah, we'll get to all that stuff too. Of course. And so we but harvest- yeah, but let's talk to, yeah, we did talk to, so Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, Pinot Meunier. So these these three wines will be consistent of those. One of them has a little Chenin Blanc from Limoux. So um, that one will be different too. Great. And step two, we got the pressing. And the that's pressing. when we get the juice from it. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's two two different pressings, right? Basically, there's there could be... More than that, if you wanted to, but the cuvee is the first press. That's what everybody wants, you know. And then you have the tails as the second press, or after that, the cuvee and the tail. Yeah. Awesome, that makes total sense. And then the first fermentation begins after that. And this is right. all pretty just so classic once it's press. Right. right, you're making wine like everything else. You're making the wine, and then that wine. Um, once you make it, it depends on what kind of blend you want to do. You could do 100% Chardonnay. That's a Blanc de Blanc. So you don't have to blend at all. Or you blend with a little Pinot Noir. Or you just blend the two reds. You know, there's, the, blanc, the blending is, is really cool just to put it in there. So that's where the art happens. That's where the winemaker can really put its own identity into the wine that they're going to do. Okay. Uh, and now we're like step four. And we're obviously we're just kind of touch, touching on these now because we've, we've got the song. And we're at the blending stage. Now I was really intrigued. Like this was a this was a massive education for me as I was researching this because I, I, you know, truth be told, I'm not a big champagne bubbles guy. You know, it kind of uh, it, it, I feel like it gives me a little headache every now and then when I have these. And as you would say, well, you're drinking the wrong bubbles, right? Um, but it was so unique to get this kind of education about it because I had no idea. I had no idea that the vintages really could be blended. Like you could have a, a you know 2010 and 2011 together, and that's why the year is not on the bottle. Right. It blew my mind. It blew your mind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They blend different years together. That's what you'll see the, the term NV, non-vintage, okay. on most of the champagnes out there. Vintage champagne costs more to be blend from the same. You know, now, it, yeah. when you get a vintage champagne, does that just mean the grapes are just incredible that year? Yeah, it's a great vintage. So especially on the champagne house, they won't make champagne in bad vintages. Okay. Is there a specific recipe that they will stick with to make their champagne kind of taste the same year in, year out? No. Well, the recipe, I think the reason why the blending too, especially in France, is that the weather will really change. So the vintages really make a huge difference on the wine. So the the blending really helps them to stabilize the wine to where they want it to be. Okay. So I don't think there, I'm sure there is some kind of set recipe. Of course there is, but uh, it will change vintage to vintage because of the acidity and of the sugar and the grapes. That's a fantastic answer to a very badly worded question. That's all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think you got the essence of what I, I was what trying mean. to yeah. ask you. I was like, um, so what? What is step five here? What's what's after blending? We've got the second fermentation. Right now, in the song, we talk about how this is really the the heart, the foundation of what makes champagne or bubbles or sparkling sparkling. Now, wh- why is that so? Well, because it's the fermentation is happening inside the bottle, so the bubbles would be more closely knit, and it's done in that style as well too. So, and then with that whole process, we get through the other ones too. But the second fermentation is what really makes champagne unique: is the, the fermentation happening in the bottle. And what they do is that they basically put this uh, liquor de tirage in there, which is like the sugary kind of mixture, and it has yeast in it as well. So the yeast, the yeast will eat the sugar, and then it'll create more bubbles. And, yeah. and uh, Jim Croce would say, if I could ferment in a bottle. That's a, yeah. yeah, but, okay, yeah. I remember something vaguely. Yeah, it was like <laughs> you spent a lot of time in the bottle. Time in the bottle. Time in the bottle. <laughs> and Lee's aging is not just the aging of a guy named Lee's. The yeast is what the Lee's are on. So once it eats all the alcohol or creates the alcohol, the yeast will die and fall to the bottom of the of the 
the wine, and then that kind of softens it as well by being on the lees for that long. That's and it gives what, it flavor. It gives it way more flavor, absolutely, okay. by aging on the lees. What kind of flavor does lees aging give a what wine What kind of creamier shape? notes and toasted notes? You get some kind of, you know, because most of the stuff is not barrel aged. When you have like an oaky or not really oaky, but toastier kind of style wine, it's the lees aging. Uh-huh. Right, because it doesn't really touch the yolk after that once it's in there. Anyways, I like uh, the yeast more like a baguette, like a fresh baked baguette okay. kind of thing too, like a toastiness. That's a great yeah. a baguette. Now I'm hungry, yeah, and we've know. we've got a cheese platter yeah. in front of us. So if you hear us in between, uh, you know our <laughs> questions here, that's that's why. So there's a brie. We've got uh, we've been trying to figure out a good pairing to go with the bubbles that we're having today. And what is it that you said I would ask you about what what goes well with champagne? Everything. (laughs) (laughs) Which narrowed it down. (laughs) It really does. Stay away from that. We're doing all brute today. So I said nothing really sweet. And I got to mention it now, but I think one of the worst pairings in the world, there's probably one of the most famous pairings in the world, is wedding cake and brute champagne. And everybody does it at every wedding, except in my wedding, remember? Oh, I had yeah. a brachetto with a red velvet cake. I was, was going to call you on that. And I, I was know. like, oh, this is a brachetto. Of course, you know me. <laughs> I'm not going to commit that faux pas. But oh, yeah, yeah, if you're getting married out there, stick with something sweet for the toast wine and to have with the cake. Oh, well, that's, that's there you really go. good. Yeah, okay. Uh, so we've got to, we've, we did step six, which was Lee's aging. Um, and I should mention that um, I think depending upon what resource you're out there looking at, some of these steps may, there may be like, it may be only eight steps. It may be only nine steps. I think right. that we wanted to really just make sure that we got to cover the basis. Is, yeah. Because yeah, a lot of people put the two steps together, you know, disgorgement and then dosage and a step together because it happened so quickly together. But yeah. And now we're step seven, which is the riddling. Right. The riddling, and the riddler. The, yes, which, which is a which is a crazy process of the of the tilting and and rotating of the bottle. So yeah, so now you got this sludge in the bottle because you know your beautiful champagne you buy at the store doesn't look like what they're making right there because you have this cloud of yeast kind of on the bottle because these have been standing upright for. Eight Do they weeks. ever make those like what they call it like unfiltered champagnes or anything like that where they keep the yeast at the bottom with and not? I'm sure the somebody does. Yeah, but once you have, it's just kind of hard. You spend all that money something nice and then you have like this cloudy, gritty this little thing. You know, gunk, I mean, it's not like a, at the bottom. It's not like a Hefeweizen. and this is supposed to be like champagne. P- picking the yeast out of your exactly. teeth. Exactly. You know, so you want it nice and clean and crisp and beautiful and elegant. That's what champagne's. Yeah, and that's elegance is what makes like yes. the royalty and and the, and the steeps it in yeah, the. If you left it in right? there, it wouldn't wouldn't be good. Yeah, I mean, we could do a whole podcast just about the history of champagne. Oh my god! And, yeah. and, uh, so it's crazy, crazy. Uh, so so yeah. So yeah. back to the riddling. So the, all the that yeast, cloudy yeast, was there too. So you have to you flip it basically at a forty five degree angle and have it all slide down the neck. And you want to get it to the neck so we can chill that down. Mm-hmm. And then we then we get fly. to step eight. Step eight. Tell me, which is the disgorgement. Disgorgement, right? So, so you, you you're basically popping all that sludge out. So you're gonna. This is the tricky part. So you have to kind of have it come be popped out without losing that much and have it stay in and have the champagne stay intact. So this used to be all be done by hand, the Discordia Mop, but now it's done by machine. On YouTube, there's some really great videos of them doing it by hand. Yeah. Um, one in particular it of a cava. in Argyle. Oh, really? I went to Argyle Winery in Oregon and we got to try by hand. It was really cool. How'd you fun. do? Okay, but I lost a lot. <laughs> you lose, you know, I probably did one of the better ones out of the group, but we still lost like almost like a quarter glass of wine out of it each time what? you're doing it. I tell you. And then the guy showed me how to, I'm like, wow, that was like magic how we did it. Just how fast. Like, yeah. Well, he's probably been doing Roland it. Roland Souls was his name if he's out there. Argyle winemaker. Ar- I don't know Argyle is there. wonderful wine. Great. St- we have to do another podcast. They didn't make it to France because well, they're just as good. In my opinion, we could do a domestic bubble. 
segment too, which would be cool. We do we do Oregon and we do Anderson Valley, and kind of a competition between those two would be really cool. I think that I think that's a great idea. Yeah, I'm, I'll be here. You know, you know, you're ready. Glasses <laughs> open. Back to the lecture at hand. Okay, so Riddling, um, we've got all of that yeast that's now collected at at the bottom of this upside down bottle. It's on, it's on bottle. the cap. We, we went get to, to the discussion mount. Popped which, it, got rid of it. Which gets uh, all the crap out of there. Right, but then it leaves a little little space. So uh-huh. you need to throw something in there. So that's when we throw the dosage. The dosage, step nine. The dosage. Dosage. Exactly. It sounds so, it's so sensual. And this will determine the sweetness of the wine. The and dosage. this was another part that kind of, you know, you got to remember out there, I, I'm the music guy. Eric is the wine, you know, guru man. And so this, this was really incredible to find out... <laughs> Something I should have known already. No, which it is, is like, a tough process. That, yeah, you know, I thought brute was something separate. I didn't really mm-hmm. realize that. And then learning about like, oh, well, that's this is the brute amount of shine. sugar yep, that's yep, yep. actually added. So what are the levels then that would go from the, like, if as you add sugar, mm-hmm. what are the levels that you would end up? Perfect. That's actually a great question. The different levels of sweetness the champagne go about like, so brute nature would be the driest one because zero sugar is added. You'll also see labels that say zero or something like that too. Uh, Brut Nature is no um, no, sugar no added, added sugar at all. At all. So, so with the dosage, would it, it would just be it would be the same wine without sugar in it, or okay, something, right? Just you know? an additional uh, mm-hmm. same liquid. Okay. Yep. So then, uh, extra brute is 0.6 grams of sugar. So very very minimal amount. This is per liter. So okay. 0.6 grams per liter is extra brute. Then it goes brute is about 0.12. Extra sec or dry, dry yeah. would be 12.7. Sec is 17.32, demi-sec is 32.5, and then do would be 50 plus grams. So, so that's pretty sweet. That's, that's a yeah. dessert wine. That, that, okay, so that's that so gradually getting sweeter. Mm-hmm. How interesting that right in the middle is extra sec, which is dry. Which is funny, which means extra dry, but it's not. So it's, it's, it's almost it's sweeter. Extra sec is sweeter than brute. They're, it's like they're confusing us on purpose. Well, dry, brute is drier than than dry. Does that make sense? Dryers and, it's brutally dry. <laughs> it's brutally dry, yeah. <laughs> so dry to sweet, brut nature, extra brut, brut, extra sec or dry, sec, demi-sec, do. I know. All right. And there so, you go. So Stick, we've just yeah. we've just added the sugar, we've added the liquid, and now it's at its point where, all right, they're all equal. The cork goes on. Back that, on. The cage mm-hmm. goes yep, on the top. The, the wire cage and the foil. So the cork in, wire cage to stabilize because that's, there's more air pressure in a bottle of this bubbles than there is in a truck tire, you know. So if it explodes, somebody's going to get hurt, you know. So they, they really wow. fasten that tightly with a uh, wire cage and foil on top and bam. Yeah. Another Welcome trick for the to trade. the champagne zone. <laughs> when you're opening your champagne, make sure you have either your, your serviettes or your thumb on top of the cork when you pull off that cage. Uh, or else it's going to, if you let it sit there for a second, the pressure will just push it right out. And if you're sitting there talking while you took the cage off, it's going to blow up right in your face. And if you are curious about what that looks like, again, just this Google, probably YouTube. Google videos. YouTube. Yeah. There are some <laughs> funny ones. Oh. <laughs> bad. There's, there is one just that I... And it's always this, like a wedding day. Oh, it's totally. this beautiful moment and just gets ruined. The guy just like pegs his wife the, <laughs> in the face. This poor girl, she pops it, but it slips out of her hand. 
and hits the ground, and the wine just like a fire hose <laughs> takes her out. <laughs> I feel mean, so bad laughing, but it's at that point you gotta laugh because it's, it's just like oh that's my. another tricky thing about the bubbles. You have to you have to respect the bubble. How fun! Okay, so there we go. We got to recorking, and you know what? You know what we got to do now. Now you got to uncork it. We got to uncork it. It's time to do (laughs) some tasting. All right, let's do some tasting. Yeehaw! Well poured. What is our first one that we have here, Eric? So the first wine we have is from the family Simone Feve, and this is coming from Burgundy. This is a Cremant de Bourgogne from France. This is made in the Chablis region. This is going to be 60% Chardonnay and 40% Pinot Noir. So something really cool. Since you said baguette, I'm just suddenly just thinking of baguettes. <laughs> <laughs> Great fruit profile to that as well. That's fruit really profile nice. Is what I want to say. Yeah. A little kind of like white cherry. Oh, and, and I suppose we should uh, mention a little bit of something about the fact that we're not having these in champagne flutes. We are not having these in champagne flutes. Yeah. And why Why is that? Why did, because I was I brought the champagne flutes out and you're like, no, no, you shall not pour. <laughs> and uh, we went with these white wine glasses now. Uh, so the reason okay. why is because with, the, with this style, I like these glasses better because it allows the bubbles to open up and you get a lot more aroma out of the wine. Those champagne flutes are great for kind of keeping the bubbles in, keeping the aroma in for like Proseccos and kind of just um, Cavas maybe. But these are, you know, traditional style, Métal Champenois, Métal Traditionnel wines. So I, I like the bigger glass with them. Okay. A lot more expressive. So this this is Bourguignon. This is Bourguignon, yep. This, this is Chard and Pinot, just two grapes in it. Um, 60 Chard, 40 Pinot. Which should be mentioned that you said Chablis and they're only, mm-hmm. they're regulated to the types of grapes that... Chablis grow. is on, yeah. So this is in Chablis, right? So this is kind of cool, but this is not a Chablis because Chablis itself has to be 100% Chardonnay. So uh-huh. you don't really see Chablis on the label. Oh, that's that's right. This oh. is a Cremant de Bourgogne. So they're following that AOC. The Cremant de Bourgogne is the AOC. Okay. Yeah. What is the AOC? The Appellation of Control. So uh-huh. so that is the appellation we're talking about for this. The rules are different for them because they can put Pinot Noir in. So there's Pinot Noir and Chardonnay in this. In this. Just this. two grapes. Correct. And the color on it, I apologize for the light in here, but uh, is there a slight pink on it? No. This no, is, it's this the is, lighting in here. There's yeah. no pink on this wine at all. Okay. I do have pink gels in the lights. They look beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's well, it's, it's a music Everything studio. looks like a rosé, but yeah, hey. no, it's, it's, it's the ambiance <laughs> here. We played the sexy music. I had, they had the sexy, sexy songs, our sexy, uh, the sexy lights on. No, this is going to be a lighter, brighter in color, probably like a straw color. Beautiful wine, right? This is a party. This is trouble. Very nice. This is trouble. I'm gonna uh I'm gonna save some for my wife. There you go. <laughs> so uh, yeah, so some nice, very floral. So I chose this one first because it's gonna be one of the brighter, more elegant kind of ways to kind of start. We'll see, we'll do the Fair Le Fet next and I'll talk about that. But I love this Cremant de Bourgogne, something really cool. Does this champagne house also produce other non- Bubbles? I shouldn't say champagne Absolutely. house. This, well, is, this is a bubble. They, they're famous for the Chablis. This is just something fun that they do okay. as well. So it's a it's a house is a little larger. It's actually owned by the Latour family, Louis Latour, ah. Maison Louis Latour. 
So I got to visit over here. It was beautiful in, in Chibli. Gorgeous, wonderful, wonderful area. Did you have a jubilee in Chibli? I had a jubilee in Chibli. <laughs> with cat- there's caterpillars everywhere in the forest there. It's amazing. Very just, necessary. Just caterpillars everywhere. It was really, really? cool. Yeah, yeah. Are and, caterpillars and good for... I don't know if it had to do with the mind. These, these were like <laughs> these were out in the woods. We were just walking through the woods, and I just noticed caterpillars. Or maybe it was just a time of year we went. There wasn't in the vineyard. Did you eat so the big didn't mushroom? Eat <laughs> didn't eat them. <laughs> yeah, we don't like caterpillars out I here. Bet. We, uh, they are, we're not fans. These are not in the vineyard. Anyways, I digress. <laughs> uh, yeah, but it was really cool. Uh, Chablis, they're known for their Chablis, which are very bone-dry Chardonnays. We had the Chardonnay episode, so no oak at all on yes, those. So, no but oak. this is the Cremante Bourgogne. This is, really, this is their bubbles. Delicious, really cool. Owned by the Latour family. The winemaker himself, Paul Espitale, Espitiale, I believe, kind of newer to them too, but uh, he's doing a fantastic job Excellent. over there, but really cool stuff. And as far as with all of these wines that we're tasting, we've been really trying to stay within uh, kind of a price point, yeah. you know, and, and I think eventually with these future podcasts, I really want to have these differences where we pair the the prices Along well, with the bridles, a little but... bit. This one, this one's going to be in the twenty-five, twenty-six dollar range. Okay, and then is, we'll go down, and then we're going to go way up. Oh, okay. We'll do a vintage rosé for the last one, so oh, it'll be higher. Not yay. way up, but yeah. So you'll see. So I kind of did that. This one is slightly different. You in the pricing surprised you us, see. Eric. I know. Oh, you're full of surprises. But another thing I wrote on here as well is since this is a little slightly dry, I mean, it's beautiful by itself, but a lot of people like to make a cure royale. If you're familiar with that, where you put a touch of cassis in there as oh. well. Yeah, it kind of sweetens it up for people who don't like or care for sweeter style wines okay if they have a brute or something like that they put a little cassis or and before Chambord. we move on mm-hmm. to the next wine i'm just going to go ahead and ask this is this a mimosa one or is this a non-mimosa one and what is what is you can if you want to i suppose I mean. you could kind of use a any kind of bubble like what, i said this is like a 26 you know yeah. like 26 27 maybe higher so so that's the question then when you're thinking of like a mimosa and it's the day after a, a mm-hmm. you know a party, you just want to get the party started early but it's what's, the same. What's kind of the just the overall thought of like the kind? I like dry cavas or dry proseccos okay, for my cool. mimosas usually, or domestic dry. Uh, but if you put sweet in sweet, it tastes weird, you know. And this one, I, I I was just talking about how you can make a cure royale out of it too. That's just like kind of a touch of cassis in there too. Like a mimosa, I put like a good amount. So it's really up to you. You can put orange juice in your crystal if you want to. I'm not going to judge you. Uh, that sounds but, like a song. All right. <laughs> <laughs> I've done some good research on the music part of this, and I'm we, we're going to get to the Cristal history, which is really quite really quite fun, pretty cool. But let's let's go ahead and and move on a little bit. So what is what is our second? Yeah. Bubble? So so right next to it, we'll do the Fer La Fête. Now these guys, this is from Limoux, which is in I believe the Languedoc, southern France region, Languedoc, Limoux. Let's give it a taste. So this one's very nice too. I did this one second because it's a little broader in style, a little bigger, okay. more weight to it. It does have a little bit more mm-hmm. weight. And it's, it's kind of like a baked apple. Ah, uh, and I'm so glad that you're explaining all these because like I said before, I'm not... Champagne is not my go-to. I always well, see. this isn't champagne technically. Oh, this is, I, right? and and <laughs> I am saying I'm realizing that every time I say it, everybody does I'm all the just time. Yeah. So used to They're saying just so champagne. used to generalizing it. Actually, and these guys made this before champagne did. So they were making sparkling wines way before champagne ever did. Really? 
the monks in this part of in, uh, in Limo, Languedoc in Limo in Limo Limo okay. specifically. Uh, and they had this awesome festival. So this this wine's called Fair La Fête. Fair La Fête is like uh, like the birthday fair, birthday celebration. No. The, the fair, ce- so fair is like to to do or to create, and La Fête is the yeah. party, right? Yeah. yeah. So yeah. So it's, it's like bon, to make bon the party. Fête. Yeah. So it's kind of like to create the party or a party maker or to party, you know. So this so this is the party maker, and I feel like the one before should be called the baby maker. Uh, there you go. <laughs> I so maybe you should have the party maker first. And then go Maybe to the baby you could maker. Maybe the party maker first. But this is this is a really cool place, uh, Limo. There's like over. They have this really neat party there. That's the party they're talking about. It's basically Carnival or Mardi Gras that we have in New Orleans, or oh. you know, in Rio. So that time of year, they, everybody parties in the street during Carnival, and they all end up in the in the town center, and they drain the fountain and fill it with this uh, Cremant de Limo. And they fill it with not necessarily Fair La Fête, but a Cremant de Limo is the name of this AOC. Um, and so it's filled basically with these sparkling wine. And then you, I don't know if you drink from it or what you do, but that's what they do. I would that's say that you drink or You got to drink, babe. Probably both. <laughs> Probably both. But I hear it's the, that's, that's my bucket list is what I want to go to Limo and check this out, this uh, party. But the Fair La Fête, I thought it'd be really cool to show that this is the origin. This is the, the champagne started. Now this wine. Oh, that's so cool. Has 65% Chardonnay, has 25% Chenin Blanc, and then 10% Pinot. So uh, in in France too, they just write Shin and they don't they don't put Blanc. Okay, so, yeah. Yeah. But that's why I just said that too. Yeah. So these are two white grapes with just a touch of red grapes. So it's only ten percent of Pinot Noir. The rest is um, that, but that- Chardonnay heavy again, just like the one before it. But are most how Chardonnay different they are. heavy? No, at this level they are. But then you get to like when you have like all oh, Pinot Noir or something like that, like a Blanc de Noir, then they start to cost more money because the grapes cost more. That makes sense. That makes sense. Just the same thing we learned with the unoaked versus oaked Chardonnay is that yeah. the unoaked tends to be cheaper because oak is expensive. So you yeah. have an oaked Chardonnay because it's, yeah, it just costs a lot more to make. But then to, to even confuse you more, there's Chardonnay out there that costs so much money too, especially if they're from different vineyards mm-hmm. in different areas. It's a crazy There's so word. much, there's it's, so much. Yes. I know. I and know, in know. the meantime, but these are all moderate. The, these two side by side were kind of just for fun to see the two Cremant styles, one from Cremant de Bourgogne, one from Cremant de Limo. Okay. So it's really neat to see the difference in the two. It's a little warmer in this part of France in the Limo. So I think that adds the ripeness of the wine. And it's kind of like that. And then Burgundy gets a little cooler. But it's still beautiful there as well. Do the bubbles mean anything? Size, frequency, you know, as I'm looking at these and the bubbles are moving a kind of different paces in the glass. What is the significance of that? Does that mean anything? Do you want something that is like a ton of tiny bubbles that are constantly, constantly moving? Or? Yeah, the perlage. Basically, I, I, the bubble, I prefer tiny bubbles. Tiny bubbles. I was waiting for it. That's definitely on the playlist, folks. That's streaming from the middle, you know, that's basically just kind of going the whole time and see, once again, that's in the aging of the wine, how long it's been under pressure, how many years it was aged, all that stuff. So there's a lot you can tell about the wine. When we get to the to the vintage rosé, you'll be able to see it should be a lot smaller bubbles. Um, so are there less time. bubbles with the They're more aged integrated, lines? Uh, integrated into the wine okay. a little bit more. They're not big like soda pop bubbles. They become more like little tiny pinpoint needle pinpoint bubbles tiny pinpoint little needlepoint no bubbles, bubbles. <laughs> <laughs> in age wine yeah um good. and then and then eventually they lose their bubbles that's, oh, the, that's the sadness that's i know it. when you drink really old champagne they the can lose sad their violin but but they're I'm still just, exceptional they're still i'm exceptional. just a sparkling Ooh. wine <laughs> without my bubbles but true beautiful champagne i'm sure these cremants if you find some of their tete cuvées, the best stuff they have, they age a very long time. Okay, and the first two that we have, and again, you'll you'll have um, first two. Yeah. Look at the description down below. Simone and you'll Feve have all of the information. And Fer Lafette were the t- first two. 
And those were sparkling wines, mm-hmm. not champagne with the champagne difference, right? And I forgot to mention Alex Coase. I hopefully I'm pronouncing that correctly. Alex Coase was a winemaker for uh, Mark West, and now he's uh, took over this project. So okay. a lot of these wines are basically made from different villages, and he's the blender of them. So he's not necessarily growing them. He blends these wines together to create this Fairlafette blend. And they have a beautiful rosé as well. And I bet the property and everything must be just amazing. Well, they're, yeah, they're we're talking about 16th century. Where this, this, this is like yeah. a massive amount of history. These are, these are all different villages. So he's collecting from all these different villages. in uh, So 42 different villages, I believe, of Limon. That's wonderful. Uh, shall we move to number three? Let's move to number three. What do we got here, man? So... This is Louis Roederer's Rosé 2014. This is their vintage Rosé Champagne. And so this actually has a little more Pinot Noir in it. I believe it's around 63% Pinot Noir and 37% Chardonnay in this one. So we tables have turned as to where the first wine was 60 Chard, 40 Pinot. This is basically the other way around. 63 Pinot, 37 Chard. And it has that nice, slight rosé color. Yes, so this one they like to let the color be in there as well, too. Oh, that's rose petals almost. Yeah, definitely like wild strawberries, rose petals. Very elegant. It is. I think from what I heard, when you go and you taste there at Roterer's Champagne House, as long as you could say Roterer five times fast, you can keep drinking. That's the password. Yes. It's it's like a speakeasy. Otherwise, if you can't do it, then they stop serving you. Yeah, that's it. Their tests. They sing. Yeah, that's good. Rotorer, rotorer, Damn it. Back of the line. All right. Walk it off, buddy. <laughs> Another great thing about this winery is uh, it was founded Ooh. 1776. So the year that we became a country basically declared our independence. Oh, that's that, cool. That's how old this winery is. Isn't that kind of cool? That is really cool. You know what this tastes like to me? Tell me. Freedom. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> the French were a big part of our freedom. A major yep. part, major, major part. Props to France. Uh, without them, it would be a very different United States of America. That's for sure. Love the French. I got to be honest. I, I think we love everyone. You know? We love everyone. Yes, we really do. So, but, a- As friends. As friends. <laughs> Strictly platonic relationship. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me a little bit about Roterer because I've seen Roterer around a bit. I guess I should say that I've seen his name on quite a few different Champagne bottles. Is it all from his, the, from this champagne house specifically? Does he have another kind of area that he? They own Rotor domestically as well in the Anderson Valley. That's that's what so, I think yeah. I've seen. So that's okay. just Rotor by itself. Oh. Rotor Estate, actually. I I knew that I had seen it somewhere, yeah. and this now I'm Maison, looking at the bottle going like, wait a second, this is Chateau Louis Rotor. Yeah, so this is Louis Rotor. This is in Champagne. This is in the Reims region of uh, France. Do you think uh, when he walks in that everybody says, Louis? Louis. Well, I don't even know there's a Louis yeah, still, but the Rotor family. So, so Louis, they were going back. Oh, yeah. hundred so, years. Okay. <laughs> the original Louis had a great life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't think he's longer with us. All right. But, well, yeah. I, you know, I'm going to go backwards a little bit. Should mm-hmm. we? Wait, wait, wait. I'll just see how this. Like, yeah, go backwards. I, you know, educate me on that, Eric. We've got. All these wines, and is it normal to go back and forth with champagnes like this? Whereas if we went for like a cat, like our cab uh, podcast we did a few weeks ago, mm-hmm. you know, it was really kind of difficult to go back because they were so different, even though being the same grape. So what, what are your thoughts on that as far as champagne in general? I think these you could have probably went anyway because of the, because it's brute, you know, so you're kind of all right there. If you want to start with something like 
the fruit of the that rotor is just beautiful. So if you wanted to kind of start with that, you could as well too. But I like to kind of I like to start with the more kind of everyday drinkers, and then finish with something like that. If that makes any sense. The complexity of this wine I think is a lot more than the first two. The first two are beautiful for what they are, but this one is a lot softer bubble. The wine itself just has a lot more going on, a lot more characteristics to it. I'm going to be brutal, brutally honest. Do it. These are good. I know, you right? Know? And I no. was a little nervous, to be honest with you, because I'm not a big champagne guy. and I, right. I think I've mentioned that about eight times now. Yeah. It's just a little bit difficult for me when I'm, when I'm like, okay, I want a glass of something. And champagne, do you start the meal with it or do you end the meal with it? Or do you do both? You can do both. You typically start the meal with it. Okay. Absolutely. It's a celebratory wine. It's always great to start with a bottle of bubbles. Does it open your palate? And you up keep a saying bit? champagne. Do you mean champagne I mean or do you mean I bubbles? Mean bubbles damn because it. yeah, because you know, you could drink true champagne throughout the whole night. There's nothing wrong with that. You just keep it going with even some of these, you know, do whatever you want. But I use it as a celebratory thing to get things going. And usually we end up having like a big fat steak later or something else where I just move wine to that event to kind of pair better. So it really depends on what's going on with your evening. If you're sitting at a cocktail party, champagne it up all night. We're, uh, yeah, exactly. And yeah. and it's a great starter. And this is a there's something about this and maybe this is why this the, the champagne or bubbles are always associated with parties. New Year's Eve, you know, it's like break out the bubbles. It just has this overtime stigma of a celebration. One of the major major pushers of sparkling wine and champagne is the rap and R&B community, and that goes back a ways. And we're talking about like Biggie Smalls oh, yeah. and Puff Daddy, who were introduced to this through a man named Branson B, who was also a, a rapper from New York, from the East Coast. Let's say from yeah. the East Coast. Obviously, you're going you're gonna to have this kind of music on this playlist. And I hope you're ready to party when you pop this playlist in because it is a partying playlist for sure. Biggie has references to Moe. Uh, he's got references in, with Cristal. Cristal was like the first. That's also what Branson B kind of introduced to Biggie as well. Now, when Biggie passed away, it was Jay-Z. Jay-Z took over the hip-hop yeah. kind of kingdom. So Jay-Z, Jay-Z is a perfect businessman. You know, he's famous for his quote, which is, I'm not a businessman. I'm a business man. You know, which is, which is perfect to who he was because he was product placement. And after Biggie died and Jay-Z took over the with all of the product placement, quote unquote, that he put for Cristal, Cristal's sales went through the roof. It was nuts. I mean, in the '90s, all of these clubs, all of these these R and B and these and these clubs that that these dance clubs and rap clubs were. I mean, people were just buying bottles, drinking out of the bottle, and Cristal was it's a luxury. Yeah, yeah, and it, and just it was like a, uh, Rolls Royces, Rolexes, all that stuff, Kangol hats. It depends how far back you want to go, but yeah, it was a it was a luxury item. Versace. Luxury was what it was about. Right. It was like a status kind of thing. Yes. It, was, it was this man. All right, you've got you've got the bling to be able to afford this crystal, this really really solid champagne. And then in 2006, Jay Z denounced the brand altogether mm -hmm. and replaced it with Armand de Brignac. Yeah, Ace of Spades. And Ace of Spades. Mm -hmm. Ace of Spades. Right. And he was claiming that Cristal was racist from a a, a Rotorer interview that could have been out of context. You know, looking yeah. back on it, because it was. I think there was some. There right, could have Allison. been some things lost mm -hmm. in translation, but it yeah. was what the essence of it was that Rotorer probably did not mean to downplay the popularity that was pushing Cristal. But that's certainly the way that it came across in the interview. Jay-Z was like, wait a second, the one thing that you should be doing is saying 
thank you. Yeah. And if you don't say thank you, then we're not cool with this. And Jay-Z being the ultimate businessman that he is, mm-hmm. said, all right, I'm switching. And now yeah. my allegiance is going to this. Well, he bought, I think he partnered in that. He too. ended yeah. up. He ended up actually mm-hmm. partnering at, and now he owns it. He owns yeah. the Ace of Spades brand that he ended up buying from oh some big spirits sovereignty i think sovereign spirits sovereign uh is the name of it sovereign spirits maybe he had that idea all in mind i wouldn't put it past him because he's obviously so brilliant of a man to do that but this massive shift Mm -hmm. happened because then suddenly crystal's sales went down the ace of spades that's you know absolutely skyrocketing but what's interesting about all of this there was a whole other community of artists that were like we're not into this champagne stuff because if you listen to to a lot of the uh, rap and some R and B stuff out of the late '90s, almost every song, every music videos, you're popping champagne. You know, it's like people are just going nuts on it, right? And there was a whole other side of the community that said, "Look, we're not into that. We're not drinking champagne. You know, we're part of the community that's real. You know, we don't have all the diamond in the bling." So that's where you got Asti Spumanti from Candyman. Remember that? <laughs> Candyman knocking the boots. Break up. No, 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 knocking the boots. Exactly. Uh, so it was just really interesting musically how a couple different schisms kind of happened. It was really just a fun amount of research to do yeah. because you learn so much about all that. And you go down the rabbit hole. Yeah, no, you're right. <laughs> so much and, info out there. And when you think of champagne, especially us, we grew up in the 90s, the 80s and the 90s. I listened to that music and I love that music. The champagne references in there, I know them. And it was a a part of that culture of the music. As you'll notice in the playlist, there's quite a lot of groove. Be ready to kind of have the bubbles just make your body move. Popping. Popping. (laughs) Popping the bubbles. So other than, of course, the the wonderful uh, uh, rap songs and the R&B stuff, we've got, wait, I mean, champagne. It's I a party. No from champagne? Exactly. Yeah, a little Cole Porter I, in every there. Every time you know <laughs> there's going to be either it's a Frank Sinatra oh, yeah. or somebody from the Rat Pack on one of these playlists. Because it just, the essence of wine and party, that's that's them. That's what they, they owned Absolutely. it. They owned it. So. Uh, there's some there's some really really good oh, champagne supernova you know you gotta have that on there you know and I feel like that's just yeah. duh. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, okay. So homework, homework for all of our wonderful audience out there. Obviously, get to know Bubbles and Champagne a little bit. If you've already got a knowledge of these, which I'm sure if you're listening to this podcast, you probably got a little bit of like bubble. You got more of the bubble history than I do, I'm sure. Maybe check out these ones. I absolutely loved this side-by-side that you brought here. These these thank were you. great. You know, I definitely want to thank also all of these awesome uh, Champagnes for being a part of this podcast in liquid form. And can you remind us just of the, uh, sure. of the three? Uh... The first one is Simone Feve. That's a Cremant de Bourgogne Blanc, Brut Blanc. Then we're going to have the Fer La Fete, which is a Cremant de Limo. And uh, that's also a Brut. And then lastly, we have the 
vintage rosé from Maison or Chateau Louis Roderer. That's the rosé 2014. Excellent. Champagne. So these are all around the same price point? No. The first two are. The first two are. What what is uh what can we expect retail for the uh for the Roderer the uh, 2014? Around 79.80 bucks. 79, Maybe 75, bucks. depends on where you get it. So special occasion champagne. Yeah. You bust that out for the uh for the new baby. Um, or for the kid, the leaving, holidays yeah, for the kid leaving the house, yeah. maybe, you know, like the 18 year old that's going off to college. There you go. Um, and how well do these age? They age fairly well, really well. Actually that 14 will last a very long time. Okay. So it'd be good for like a graduation present if it's their birth year, something like that's always okay. something you could try. And, and here's something that I've got for, for homework for you is, and please let us know about this. We, we want your feedback, have some champagne and tell us. What goes well food-wise with champagne? I want to know what you're eating out there as you drink your bottle of champagne. I'm curious, very, very curious to know what it exactly you're going to pair your champagne with. So email us, let us know, and maybe we'll even feature you on the show too. Speak of featuring on the show, you got to visit our Patreon. Help us out. Makes us do what we love to do, and that's why we are here. Uh, just Tasty Notes the show is on Patreon. There's different tiers. We've got unique perks with each tier level, including recipes to pair with the wines from the show. Um, probably not the champagne, though, because we're waiting for your recipes out there, folks. MP3 downloads also of all of this amazing original music. You're the first ones to hear this, honestly. Every time you get a chance to listen to this podcast, you are the first ones to hear this. You can't even get this on Spotify. Not yet, anyways. Maybe eventually. Who knows? Whatever. Also, we get shout-outs on the podcast as well with the different tiers. You get access to outca- outtakes. Outcakes. Ooh, outcakes. Outcakes. Those sound delicious. The, are those cakes you have at the outhouse? <laughs> <laughs> I think those are urinal cakes. Oh, urinal. Oh, yes. <laughs> ah, very big difference. Uh, it's all kind of goodies, and just we can't tell you how much we appreciate your support. Thank you. Anybody out there that wants to join us on Patreon and help us out, Super appreciative. Also, subscribe to our podcast. Give us a review, uh, preferably a good one, you know, but uh, <laughs> we do appreciate you just subscribing and being here with us. Uh, we're trying to get these out every couple weeks. A lot goes in with the original music and getting this crazy wine guy over here to talk about all kinds of wine stuff. Yeah, yeah. You whine so much. I know. <laughs> <laughs> Email us with questions for show ideas. We'd also love to hear maybe you're thinking about doing a wine tasting with your friends. Uh, maybe you're thinking about kind of a new world style versus an old world. Anything that you've got out there, just email us. Let us know, and uh, and we'll be happy to get back to you with, with any advice we could give you, including music playlists, as we all love to pair our wine experience with music which I encourage everyone to always do. Right? Yeah. That's, that's really important. You know, music really does make everything better. I agree. It's like Jell-O. Yeah. Everything goes with Jell-O. Everything goes with Jell-O. So we've reached the point, the Let's Ask Eric part Yay. of the podcast. So here we go. Asking Eric, it's the cool thing to do. So, Eric, <laughs> question yeah. for you. When did you have your first champagne? Ooh, I must have been very young. Yeah. <laughs> Remember, I grew up in New Orleans. And I I know I had some probably at New Year's Eve with my mom, probably uh, 12, 13, 14, something like that. 
probably we're yeah, not we're, encouraging <laughs> underage drinking. <laughs> Remember, I grew up in the south with a Cuban refugee family. They were cool with it. Let's ask Eric. Well, I think we did it. Yay! Yay! (laughs) The sexy traditional method, champagne slash bubbles. It was a difficult one, but I feel like we harnessed a lot of information there in There's a lot in there, but there's so much more. Yeah. Oh, but anyway. So much more. So and I can't wait until the next one. Right. Oh, this is this is just so much fun. Eric, thank you so much. Thank for you. Just all of your so knowledge. So good being here, hanging out. I, I'm like, I, I forget to talk sometimes because I'm just listening to your wonderful uh, you know, information that's spewing forth. Thank you. Spewing. Spewing for it. <laughs> and thank you out there, everybody, for joining us. We appreciate your time so much. So until next time, keep those ears thirsty. This is Tasting Notes, the show. Step 10. Now we're at the end. It's time to pop the cork and party with your friends. On New Year's Day. Or for your friends, baby. It doesn't matter when you pop it. It's, it's time, time to celebrate. When you're sipping the champagne, everybody's feeling sexy. With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles. Can't complain. Can't complain. When you're sipping the champagne, everybody's feeling sexy. With the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles, the bubbles.